Welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyons podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and blesses you. Well, I'm going to continue this week on the topic I began last week. And if you weren't here, I just want to preface it by saying that I wanted to dedicate it to our late brother Edwin uh, Miller. Uh, and any one of you who knew him knew that this was his passion, talking about the, the end times. And specifically, the title of this message are, is, Are These the Last Days? I'm going to be talking about the rapture today. How many know that we are in the last days? Amen. As believers, all it takes is for you to read the scriptures to know we are last, in the last days. And so I, I said, you know, I want to dedicate this in his memory because if he was here today, he would be preaching to you those very words. Amen. He would also tell you this, hell is no joke, which I forgot to mention last week. But he would say that every single time. Because he wanted you and I to understand the, the seriousness of it, the reality of it. But having said that, I want to make sure that you as believers know this. The scriptures that tell us about the coming of the Lord, the second coming, and the times, describing the times, shouldn't put fear in you. As a believer, it should not cause you to fear and fear death or fear the future. On the other hand, if you're a non-believer or have not professed your faith in Christ, it should put the fear of God in you to know what's going to happen. Where am I going? Because all of us will have a destination. Now, this isn't a message on fire and brim, so I'm not talking necessarily about hell. And, and that. I want to focus on the rapture, what the Bible says about that, and what that word is. Some of you may have heard it. Some of you know it very well. But I want to, first of all, mention... There have been books written about the rapture, movies, recent movies about the rapture. How many have seen the Left Behind series? Uh, Kirk Cameron's in one. Um, I recommend that. It, it's loosely, you know, it fits what the Bible says, describes what the Bible says. There's never a book or a movie that's exactly what the Bible says. But uh, it's a very encouraging book to, to, or um, movie to look at, Left Behind. So, for those of you that don't know what the rapture is, let's, let's break that down. What is the rapture? Simply stated, the rapture is the first phase of Christ's coming. It's really the intersection of two events. The resurrection of the dead, specifically believers in Christ, and then the transformation of those that are remaining, us living believers, as we rise up to meet Christ in the air. And I remember when, as a, as a new believer, because I, I didn't grow up in this, I had never heard the word rapture until my mid-20s. I had never heard of the word. I looked at people, what are you smoking? What are you talking about? Going up in the air? I, I mean, I thought, I thought, what kind of fairy tale is this? But let me tell you, this is described in the Bible, in the Word of God. Now, how many believe the Word of God? Do you believe it's true? Amen? Well, then what we're about to get into today is the living Word of God, and God is telling us what's to come. So I want to remind you or spell this out too. This is explicitly taught in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and the scriptures we're going to read here shortly, and also in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
But I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and if you'll hold that spot, we're going to be reading from there here shortly. But according to the timeline of the Word of God, the very next prophetic event on God's calendar that can happen is the rapture. Everything else prior to that, according to the Word of God, has already taken place. It's been fulfilled. There, there have been prophecies about Jesus dying on the cross. He would be pierced. He would be sold for 30 pieces of silver and so forth. Many different prophecies over time, including the rapture. It's, it's been predicted. It's declared in the word of God. But there were two things that needed to happen, and they centered around the nation of Israel before the rapture could happen. First of all, the first thing was Israel had to become a nation again. So for many years, actually a millennia, thousands of years, over a thousand years, they had been disbanded, they had been dispersed. The nation of Israel had been destroyed. The nation of Israel has been conquered over and over and over again, the city of Jerusalem especially. And so consequently, there was no nation of Israel prior to May 14, 1948. But on May 14, 1948, the... Jewish nation became a nation once again. They're the only nation ever to have been disbanded, completely destroyed, and then come back to be put together again. That's not by accident. That is because they have the chosen people of God. It is God's city, Jerusalem. So the first part was they had to come back as a nation. And they did, after being dispersed for over a millennia. Secondly, they had to acquire the territory of Jerusalem. You see, it was under the control of the Muslims. It was under the control of other countries at that time. Well, in 1967, there was an event called the Six-Day War. Some of you with gray hair like me can remember that. I was, I was a little too young. <clears throat> yes, I was a little too young to remember that. But uh, in our history books, there was the war between Israel and Egypt, as well as other Muslim countries at that time, Arab countries. And they conspired against Israel. Israel went in there and in six days defeated them. The tiny, I, well, do me a favor, one of these days take a look at a world map and look at the size of Israel compared to the size of the countries around it. Israel defeated Egypt in six days. It was a miracle, the hand of God, that caused them to then resume control over Jerusalem and other areas that had been their land in the Old Testament times. So that was part of the prophecy that, that Israel had to not only come back as a nation, but they had to be in control of Jerusalem. And so that happened in 1967. And when that occurred in 1967, the next event on God's calendar is the rapture. So, when is that going to happen? Does anybody know? No, nobody knows the day nor the time. But here's the thing, we know it's coming. Say that with me, we know it's coming. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we're going to be reading verses, uh, um, I'm going to start in verse 14. 14 through 18. Do we have that up there? Yes, we do. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, 
And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, everybody say, that's me, who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who were still alive and are left, everybody say, that's me, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You see, this, these set of scriptures here shouldn't cause you to fear. The Bible's here clearly saying, encourage one another with these words. The Lord is coming back for his people. That should cause you to jump for joy, not quake in fear. I want to take you to 1 Corinthians, which is a parallel set of scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want to read verses 51 through 55. I'm reading out of the NIV version, so you're, you may be having or reading a version that's slightly different. Starting in verse 51. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Amen. Again, those are words of comfort. As a believer, death does not have victory over you and I. It's only the beginning of the rest of our life with our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Just like my first pastor, he didn't fear death. He longed to be with Christ. The Bible also tells us in another passage that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That was the Apostle Paul saying, I don't fear death. I don't fear not being here. You mean if I go to sleep and I close my eyes and that's my last night on earth, the next time I open my eyes, I'm in heaven? Sign me up. Sign me up. Amen. So the Word of God is clear. It speaks on these events. It speaks on events as such as the rapture, the great tribulation. Here's another thing, the second coming. The second coming and the rapture are two different events. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to cover the rapture here today, but I want to talk to you later about the second coming when he comes to judge the rest of the world. Amen? And then there's the great white throne judgment, which comes along with that. But these are all events that are going to happen in time. And again, Brother Ed Miller was a student of this. He studied this. He lived it. He breathed it. 
He wanted to make sure everybody was aware. Look, this is coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? That was his message. Regarding the tribulation, I believe that the Word of God teaches that Christ will come before the tribulation starts. Now, the Great Tribulation is another term used in the Bible. It's a time period of seven years. The Bible describes the first three and a half years of being this peaceful time. And then the next three and a half years, the end of those seven years, all hell breaks loose. There's wars. Armageddon, that term Armageddon, will occur at the end of that tribulation. But I believe the, the rapture will happen, that the Bible teaches the rapture will happen before the tribulation. And I just want to give this up front, be transparent with you. There are teachings and beliefs that um, teach us that the rapture happens before the tribulation. That's called a pre-tribulationist. There's a mid-tribulationist belief. And there's a post-tribulationist belief. But here's the thing that I want you to understand. Jesus is coming regardless of whether you believe he's coming in the beginning, middle, or the end of the tribulation. Jesus is coming. Let that sink in. Jesus is coming. Can we get an amen on that? But at the same time, here's what I also want you to know. The word rapture, you'll never find it in your Bible. It's not in the Bible, but neither are words like the Trinity or the Bible, the word Bible. They're not found in there either. But we believe in these things because they're taught. The word rapture that comes from the passage, if we can put First Thessalonians back up there, it comes from the verse 17 where it says, We who are still alive and remain on this earth will be caught up in the clouds, will be caught up. The word caught up there. It comes from a Greek word which means harpazo, which means to seize, to snatch, to take by force. The Lord is going to seize us and take us. He's going to say, yep, time's up here. It's time to go. We're putting on your wings and we're flying. The Bible says we're going to meet him in the air. I mean, that's going to be, if you're afraid of heights, well, that's going to go away because it's going to have to go away because you're going to go meet the Lord in the air. I can't climb ladders anymore. I start doing this when I get on ladders. And that just happened in the last couple of years. And I can't imagine being up 100 feet in the air. <laughs> but one day it's, it's coming, amen? So we're going to meet the Lord in the air. We're going to get caught up. Did you know that that word harpazo, the Greek word, it's mentioned over 13 times in the New Testament. So it's not just a one-time event. It's mentioned over and over and over. It's an important word. And here's, for example, harpazo, again, is, it's translated to take by force, to snatch, or to get caught up. In Acts chapter 8, if you go there, not right now, but if you go there later, you can write this down. The Spirit snatches or transports Philip 20 miles. The Bible says that. He transports him in that moment to another place 20 miles away. He's caught up. He's harpazoed. In another section of the Bible, in 2 Corinthians, Paul is transported to a heavenly realm. He's caught up in the heavens, in the presence of the Lord. Read that for yourself, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The word harpazo, again, caught up. We will be caught up. You could be in the middle of swimming in your swimming pool. 
taking a shower, or God knows what, and the rapture is going to happen, and our, the harpazo is going to happen, he's going to snatch you up as a believer, and he's going to take you up to be with him forever and ever. One time a few years ago, and Mother Betty knows what I'm going to say next, but we were having our Bible studies at our home, which I want to do, and I want to resume here uh, eventually. But we were having, uh, the topic was the end times, and we were going to talk about the rapture that night. And I usually put a sign on our front door that just said, come on in. You know, Wednesday night Bible study, come on in. And that particular evening, I told my whole family, I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to lay our clothes out right there by the front door, our shoes, our socks, our pants, our shirts, but we're not going to be there. I'm going to have my set of clothes, then Anna's, Bianca's, Raquel's. And we did that, and we hid in the bedroom, and we were watching as, as they came to the front door and saw our clothes laying on the ground. I wanted to give everybody the feeling of, that's what is going to happen during the rapture. Believers are going to be transported. We won't need those clothes anymore. I don't know what kind of clothes we're going to have in heaven, but we're going to receive glorified bodies, a new body. You know that body, that back that hurts? Papa, you know that, that back that kills you and, and bothers you? No longer going to be bothering you. Amen? You're going to be freed of every medical symptom. And, and I don't understand how it's all going to work. All I know is we're going to be with Almighty God forever and ever. We win. Amen? We win. And so um, we did that, that particular uh, Bible study night just to remind everybody this day is coming. This day is coming. Our Lord is coming back for every born-again believer in this world. It doesn't matter if you're Pentecostal or Baptist. Are you a born-again believer and trust in God and have put your faith in Him? That's who He's coming back for. The Bible says, I have sheep that you don't know of. You know, I don't want you to think that you all got to be of this particular faith or denomination. It doesn't work that way. God has a big church, amen? Here's another thing I want to remind you in Acts chapter 1. The Bible said, before Jesus come back, I want to point this out. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 11. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? He was talking, this particular individual was talking to the apostles. And he says, this same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The apostles were, were, I'm sorry, were declaring that to the people that were standing and looking in the sky. You see, when Jesus ascended up into heaven, he just ascended right in their presence. Peter, James, and John were there, and, and uh, Jesus just ascended right, right in front of them, up into heaven. And the Bible here in this scripture is saying that in the same way he ascended, this was out on the Mount of Olives, by the way, in the same way that he ascended, he's going to come back down. But it doesn't say he comes back down to the earth, physically touching his feet on the ground. We're going to meet him in the air. We're going to join him in the air. Amen? First, the dead in Christ will rise. Those that have gone on before us, those believers that have gone on before us, that are already with the Lord, but they're going to receive their glorified body at that time, the Bible says. Their glorified body, their forever body. See, their spirit 
is with the Lord right now. If you have a friend or family member that has gone on to be with the Lord, their spirit is with the Lord right now. But at the rapture, they will receive their glorified body. And we will too, but first they will rise, and then we will be caught up with them in a glorified body, a brand new body, one that doesn't hurt, one that doesn't age, one that doesn't grow gray hair or no hair. Where's my brother-in-law? Not here today. What a beautiful event that's going to be. It's a beautiful event. That should not cause any fear in any of you, but it should cause a longing for that day. And I get it as you, when you're younger, you'll say, yeah, Lord, I can, I can wait. But as something happens as we get older, we just long to be with him. We just say, Lord, take me now. Take me today. How many know what I'm talking about, right? You, you, you long for that. So here's what I would ask you. Here's the question I would ask you. What are we to do prior to this rapture? What are we supposed to be doing? What do we got to be doing? Well, let me, let me take you to 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is important, very, extremely important. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. And let me read this to you. It says this, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. They will deny the gospel. What is the gospel? The good news that Jesus died, was buried, and was resurrected. They will deny that. That's the simple gospel message. And that's what saves you and I, is that belief right there. Unfortunately, we live in a time where many churches want to put on a show, want to introduce you to their production entertainment and their... Um, a nightclub singers and, and such. How many know what I'm talking about? It, it's become an event. Rather than drawing you closer to Christ, the one thing that my parents know and I know is that Pastor Price, that, that the man that was buried this week, his, his life goal, his life scripture was Philippians 3.10, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection, if you know that scripture found in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, that I might know him. Here was a minister who had been in ministry for dozens and dozens of years, and yet his, his message was that I might know him. How in the world can a man who's been ministering and ministered to thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands, yet still desire to know him? That tells you and I that we've, we'll never arrive. No matter how much you pursue of the Bible, the Word of God, God wants you to grow in Him. Anybody here with gray hair will tell you, you're not arrived. It, there's, it's never, okay, I've done it, I've studied, I've read, I know it all now. That's never going to happen. Every day is a learning experience, and it is with every minister, it is with every believer. Amen? And again, because of that, because of what the world that we live in, as your pastor, it's not my job to just preach a 20-minute feel-good sermonette. You know, we can all go to social media for that, to, to a podcast for that that'll make you feel good. But instead, it's to preach the Word of God. Amen? Yeah. Sadly, you tune in to preachers on TV, and they rarely mention words like sin, 
the cross, you know, forgiveness, repentance. They rarely mention words like this. Instead, it's all a, a feel-good sermon. And, uh, and they've neglected to mention righteous living in this present world or anything like that. And as a pastor, those are, those are things that you and I need to know, that we need to live by. Amen? We need to know Jesus now more than ever. How many believe that? So one of the telltale signs that we're living in the last days is this abandonment of preaching God's word. There are churches that will just teach you how to feel good. How to, how to, um, they'll teach you everything but the word of God. And the word of God has, has warned us about them in the scripture that I read. Don't listen to that nonsense. Don't listen, don't get caught up in that. Here's what I want to remind you. The Apostle Paul, he emphatically reminded Timothy. Timothy was like his young student, his up and coming student. And he reminded him, preach the word, preach the word. And that's not just for ministers, that's for you and I. Preach the word. Well, how do you preach the word? If I don't know the word, Pastor Ray, I can't even quote a scripture. I have a terrible memory. Well, then share your testimony of what God's done for you. Preach the word. Let your light shine before all men. Let, let your light shine tomorrow at the workplace. Let your light shine where you go shopping today at Walmart. Because it's a dark place there at Walmart. They need a lot of light in that place. Amen? We're not to just preach that feel-good pop psychology message. There's a time and place where Pastor Rick needs to preach a, a marriage seminar, a marriage focus theme, but not at the expense of preaching the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? We're to always focus on that. I need to be culturally relevant and transparent with you. Um, and that's what I try to do every Sunday. But I'm to preach the word. Why? Why? Why, you ask? Well, because the devil... You're, the enemy of your soul works hard to take you away from the word. How many know that when you begin to read a word, the word of God, you're flipping through the pages of your Bible, all of a sudden, you're now sleepy, where the first six hours of that day, you weren't even sleepy. But the minute you crack that word of God and you begin to read it, all of a sudden, the worst sleep comes on and you feel like you need to take a nap, right? That's not by accident, people. That happens because the enemy wants you to stay away from the word because the word is power. The word is milk. The word, the word is bread. The word is meat to your souls. And you will die. You and I will die without that sustenance, without being fed by the word. You and I need to be in the word of God. There's nothing more important for you and I than to hear and do what the word of God says. To hear and do. Hear and do the word of God. That's what produces faith. According to Romans, it produces faith. See, if the, if the enemy of our soul can get us to water down the word, compromise the word, lay aside the word, or God forbid, disbelieve the word, then he's won. He's got you right here. Like the handkerchief in my dad's back pocket right now. In his right pocket, he's got a handkerchief. Because he taught me that. Here's the challenge for you and I. The Bible challenges us to be people who tremble at his word. Isaiah 66 and verse 2. I don't believe I have that scripture. But Isaiah 66 and verse 2 tells us to tremble at his word. What does that mean? 
to fear and to honor and to respect His Word. Don't just disregard it as, a, as just another novel, as another book you re you're reading. As, as a, how many like to read like me? You know, I like to read all kinds of different books. The Bible is not like any other book. The Bible is alive and living. It's a powerful word of God delivered to you and I. Amen? Amen. The world doesn't understand what's about to happen with the rapture. It can happen today. People, it can happen today. It can happen tomorrow. Here's the other thing you need to know. If anybody tells you a date that it's going to happen, mark them with an X and say, I need to stay away from you. You're a false prophet. Because that's what the Bible says. Anybody that tells you a date is wrong already. And they're a false prophet. Just know that. Amen? Now, here's the thing. All of you, we need to hold to the clear teachings of the Word of God. And if there was ever a time right now as we draw into these last days, if there was ever a time you need to hold on to the truth of God's word and to dig into God's word every day, it's now. It's now. It's more than ever. You know, even, even if it means going against the, the grain of political correctness, sometimes there's that political correct answer, right? And then there's the word of God that tells you. I mean, I don't know about you, but as believers, we should be pro-life. Amen? That's what God's Word says. We're pro-life. God has a stand against living in sin. God has a stand with, with man and women. That's, that's marriage. That, that's God's Word. Amen? And, and so you and I have to be clear about that. Remember, as I close, as I start to wind it here, remember, truth isn't what you and I think it should be. Truth isn't never what you and I feel it should be, but truth is what God says. Can I get an amen? Truth is what God says. Sometimes you may not agree with it. It says, get baptized. Well, I don't get baptized in front of people. I'm, I'm a shy person. Said, so get baptized. Well, then you should get baptized, right? So, so we do. John chapter 17 and verse 17. Let's take a look at this scripture. These were the words of Jesus. And Jesus said, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Talking about the Father. The word is truth. And then a companion verse for that would be found in 1 Samuel chapter 2. I don't want to neglect the Old Testament here, but in verse 30 of 1 Samuel chapter 2, the word of God is clear here in what it says. It says here, those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be disdained. It's one thing I know. I do not want to be disdained. I don't want you to be disdained before the Lord. That means to be, to be hated, to be put apart, to be set aside and, and say, oh, no, I don't want to have nothing to do with you. I don't like you. I, I don't care for you. We want the opposite of that. We want the Lord to be our helper, our friend, our true friend in time of need, don't we? We would do well to cling to his word in these last days. Open up your Bible in the morning. What, what is the best time? When is the best time for you to, to function? If you're a morning person, then do your Bible reading in the morning. If you're a night person, if you're a night owl, then do your reading in the evening. Pick a time where when you open that Bible, you're not going to want to fall asleep. Don't do it at the end of your day. 
if, you're, if you have no energy at the end of your day. But we have to get into the Word of God. Start reading a chapter of Psalms, a chapter of Proverbs every day. 31 chapters of, of, of Proverbs. Read one every day. Today is what, the 29th? Read Proverbs chapter 29 today. Where else? Start in the Gospel of John. Read that. Be, beginning there. And then read the whole New Testament. Get on a challenge to discover the Word of God like never before that you may know Him better. How many want to join me in doing that the rest of this year to know Him better? Amen? Yeah. Won't you stand with me at this time as we close? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. How many believe the rapture is going to happen? Amen. Raise your hand if you believe that. How many believe that we're in the last days? We are in the last days. There are events that are going on that I described to you last week that would cause our, our grandparents, our great-grandparents to not believe the world that we live in. They would not believe the things that you and I see that take place in our world today. That we look at and say, that's normal. Or that we just smile at. Or that we don't, it doesn't bother us. It's much like watching a lot of TV and watching a lot of crime shows. You're, you can get so immune to that that it doesn't bother you anymore. And unfortunately, as, as believers, this world impacts you so much. It impacts us so much. That's why we have to get in the Word of God. It's why we have to refresh our spirit, refresh our mind through the Word of God. We have to have that cleansed out every day. If not, that junk overwhelms you. And then you can develop a bitter spirit or a spirit that, that stinks before the Lord Almighty God. And God doesn't want you to have that. He wants you to be filled with His presence, filled with His Spirit, filled with the Word of God in your life. How many want to have that in these last days to be filled with His presence? Lord God, we love you today and we thank you. We thank you for your Word which endures forever, which is truth. Lord, your Word is precious and true to me. Your Word is precious and true to everyone here. But I'm praying, Lord, that we would grow. Grow in you, Lord. Yes, that we would know you. Yes, that we would draw closer to you. Father, that is our, our desire, our will here today. And I pray your blessing over each person here today, over every family, every young person, every older person, mature person. We pray, Father, your blessing over them that they would draw closer to you, that then when they're by themselves, that they would be reminded, where's my Bible? I need to pull it out. I need to pull that Bible out right now and read it and learn from it and ask, Lord, what does this mean? Speak to me. What does this mean? That's what the Bible means when it says, dig into the Word, because then the Holy Spirit will speak to you and reveal things to you. Reveal truths to you. And it only comes when you dig into His Word. So I'm praying that for everyone here today. Father God, You have been so good to us. Thank You, Lord, not only for Your Word, but I thank You for Your hedge of protection over everyone here today. Over every family, over every member here. Lord, that those that couldn't be with us, and there are many, Lord, that 
texted me, called me, told me they couldn't be here today. But Father, I pray, Father, that you protect them. Right now, we're still living in this pandemic, and we pray, Father, your protection around each one. Keep us safe for our travels. Take us. Meet the need that everyone here has, whether it be an emotional need, a physical need, a financial need. Lord, you are the God that provides. And with you, all things are possible. Say that with me. All things are possible. And Lord, we claim that today. We believe it. That that need that we have today, that you're going to take care of it. That you've already taken care of it. That it's coming my way right now. And Father, we receive that today. And as always, we close with this blessing. Just lift your hands with me today and receive this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, receive that today. Amen and amen and amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, be sure to check out our Facebook page at Foothill Christian American Canyon.